Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we're going to continue in our series, Walking in the Light. This is our text for the whole series. It's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and here's what it says as the verses come up. John says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is what? Light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Look at this next part. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Hallelujah, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. That's been our text. And now as we quickly continue in our series this week, this week we're, we're talking about the aspect of that when the light turns on in your life, when the light comes on, there's going to be resistance that's going to come into it. And John, he's talking about this. He's talking about the challenges because when we walk with the Lord, when we follow the Lord, fill with his power, we're going to hit hard stuff. How many of you have hit hard stuff in your life? <laughs> right? You're going to hit hard stuff. And there are, there are things that we hit that's just a part of it, but there's also this reality of that when you're walking with the Lord, there are things that you're going to combat. And this is what John is talking about today. And he talks about this in 1 John chapter 4, and today we're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 6. And here's what John says. He says, dear friends, that's all of you, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But if you belong to God, and then he says, my dear children, you have already won the victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But, we belong to God. Say that with me. We belong. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Father, anoint your word today. Let it be light to our path. And God, let it transform us. I pray you would remove every obstacle, every hindrance, any weight that would separate us from your word because your word is truth, your word is light, your word is power, your word is life. So Lord, light us up today 
I pray in your name. Everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. So John here, he, he's talking about spirits, okay? He's talking about spirits, and he's acknowledging a fact that, that there is a spirit world. There's a spirit world, and in our world, we're often unaware of it, or we kind of shy away from it, or we ignore it. But in biblical times, uh, they, they, they were very aware. This was widely accepted. This was... This was uh, something that they, they confronted every day. And in fact, uh, magicians and sorcerers in that day were the norm. And there's parts of this world where it's very normal to see magicians and sorcerers. And I'm not talking about the sleight of hand, right, where they do card tricks and they pull a coin out of your ear and all that kind of stuff. But that was a, this was a regular part of what it was. And it was very lucrative. People made a lot of money from this. If you remember when Jesus cast the demons out, that often there were people mad at them because they just lost their source of income. And throughout Scripture, we, we, we see this. If you remember Moses in Egypt, right, the Pharaoh, he had his sorcerers. And, and after the death of the prophet Samuel, uh, King Saul actually consulted a medium. We see this in 1 Samuel 28. And again, uh, Jesus he frequently confronted and cast out demons, and he instructed his disciples to do the same. And so here, John, he's reminding Christ's followers that this is where the battle happens. The battle that we face, it's a spiritual one. That's why Jesus said, he said, don't fear those who can destroy the body, right? This body is being destroyed, and some days I feel it more than others. <laughs> but our spirit lasts forever, and Paul, Paul even taught this to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6.12. Paul said to the, to the church in Ephesus, he said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But the battle that we're engaged with is evil, rules, e- evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers of this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And John, he's, he's talking today about how when we walk in the light, this battle is brought to the surface of our lives. And oftentimes that you'll even experience this, that as you start walking in things and as you start resisting or making decisions to stand for Christ, that you'll start experiencing this type of an impact in your life, this type of resistance. And this is important because when you turn on the light of Christ in your life, you're going to draw attention to yourself. How many of you have experienced that? That when you take a stand for Christ or you make a decision that's not popular but you're following the Lord, that all of a sudden there's resistance or there's a tension that is brought to you. See, we're very good at fitting in. We're very good at just kind of going along with the norm and not shaking things. But when we take a stand for Christ, there's something that happens physically out here, but there's a greater event that's happening spiritually. Because light attracts everything, both good and bad. When you turn on a light, your friends show up because they're like, oh, Dwayne's over there. Or even more friends show up and they say, oh, Stephanie's over there. You know, that was a joke. Well, it's true. But there's also the reality that when you turn on the light, that your enemies now know where you are. Your enemies know where you are, and they show up. And as it relates to the spirits, John is very clear that there are only two spirits. There are only two. There's God, and then there's Satan. And we need to recognize as followers of Christ that there are, really, there are only two voices in your life. That every voice that comes into your life, behind it is either the voice of God speaking his truth, proclaiming who he is, or there's the voice of Satan. And many, most people don't even recognize that. And they don't recognize it because as it relates to Satan... Satan is from the world that the Bible talks about. It's a spirit of error. It's a spirit of lies. It's a spirit of, of, de- of deception. 
And you would think that it would be pretty easy to distinguish truth from a lie, but how many know that's pretty difficult? How many of you, you, you saw something that was out there, you thought it was true, and you're like, I got suckered in. That's not going to grow my hair back, right? Or, or whatever the marketing was. I don't believe that stuff, by the way. That's why Jesus was very clear that when it comes to lying, Jesus called Satan the father of lies. This is what he said. Talking of Satan, Jesus said in John 8, 44, he said, he was a murderer from the very beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. Jesus said that when Satan lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And this lie is the main tactic of Satan. And it's also important to recognize that, you know, if, if it was just a big lie, sometimes it's very obvious to see. But a lot of times the way that the enemy works, the way that Satan works, is he just tries to kind of make you doubt a little bit, right? That was his first lie with, with Adam and Eve. His first lie was, did God really say? Is that really what God means? Why would God hurt somebody? Why would, is that really true? Is it important to go to church? Do you need to see Pastor Dwayne every week? Do you really need to go to that group? Do you really need to do this? Because he knows that if he can separate you from Jesus. And here's the thing. As we gather together with the body of Christ, this is not just about an organizational checklist that we're trying to get off. When we come together every week, this is when we, we come together as a family, as a body of Christ. We open our eyes through worship. We sing for one another. We connect with one another. We are reminded of the things of God because it's not happening out there. It is so important where the enemy knows if he can separate you from church and just say, oh, they're all about money and they're just all about this and they're just all about that, he knows if he can separate you from that. Just like a wolf. Do you know what wolves do? They separate from the pack, and then they kill and destroy. And I've seen it time and time and time again. This is the lie of the enemy. That's why the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians said that Satan will even often masquerade as an angel of light, trying to make us believe that he is God. And this is what John is battling because there are false prophets, there's false teachers going around back then as well as today that they're speaking lies about God. Because here's the thing, anytime there's power, people are attracted to it. We are attracted to power in any form that we can get it. That's why even in Acts chapter 8, after witnessing Simon the sorcerer, he saw what the apostles were doing. They were laying hands on people. They were being healed. They were being filled with the Spirit of God. Simon the sorcerer, wanting this power, he approached them and said, this is amazing. Can I buy it from you? Because he wanted to use it for himself. See, when you really experience the power of God, you're, you're drawn to it. Who wouldn't want God to move in their lives? Who wouldn't want to experience the fullness of, of what God has? Who wouldn't want the fruits of the Spirit? Do you know the fruits of the Spirit that are laid out in Galatians 5? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a big one, isn't it? See, John, he was confronting people who wanted the power without the price. They want the power without the price. And when it comes to God, there are no honorary degrees. <laughs> you don't get an award just for showing up. 
Jesus was very clear about the price, and we spent the whole Lent season leading up to Easter talking about it. The price of the power, of being filled with the power of God, Jesus said it. Remember what Jesus said? If anyone wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself. Now, who else tells you to deny yourself? The world tells us, no, just take it all in. Enjoy it. Go ahead and do it. Jesus is saying, you want to walk in my power? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Be filled with the Spirit. See, Jesus is the real deal. He's the only real deal. But the real deal comes with a real price. Now, it's a free gift of salvation, but it involves denying ourselves. And this is the crossroads that we all face. We all face this crossroads. The crossroads is, will I deny myself and follow Jesus? Because when we think about who God is, we've been singing it all day, right? You're worthy of it all. All the saints and elders bow before your throne. When you really see who God is, the response is to bow in prayer and to just to say, God, you are so amazing. I can't fully take you in. You know, I heard an interview with Alice Cooper. Do I have any 80 Rock fans? You know who Alice Cooper was, right? Now, the first time I saw Alice Cooper, I did not think, that's a man who's going to serve God. 80s, I mean, debauchery, everything. Gave his life to Christ. And they, I saw this interview with him this, this past week, and they asked, and they said, you know, what, what made you do that turn? You know, was it the love of God, and was it the, all those things? He said, the, the love of God, all of that is great. All of that is amazing. But he said, what really pulled me and what really drew me in was the fear of God. He said, because... I recognize hell is not just a place where me and all my rocker buddies, we're just lighting up and drinking all the time and just having this big party. They sang songs about that. He said, when I recognize who God is and who I am, there's this holy fear and this awe and this wonder when we really think about it, when we really dig into it, when we really experience it. It's that fear, that awe, that wonder of God to where you give up everything, but we all come to that crossroads. Will I deny myself? Will I pay the price? Or will I settle for a counterfeit that the world would gladly sell to me? Because it looks the same. Have you ever looked at people around you and go, they seem to be living a good life? Matter of fact, they seem to be having a better life than I am. <laughs> right? What Jesus is saying, what John is saying is, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. This lifetime is a little piece. Because when you're going with the flow, everything's better. You're just floating downstream. You've got your big tube and you've got your refreshing root beer, whatever that is. Mine's a Bedford's ginger beer, non-alcoholic. And you're just chilling. You're going with the flow. But when you try to turn and walk in the way of Jesus, you're going to experience some resistance. And John's saying, don't be fooled by that. Do you know what's at the end of that big, that floating stream? It's a waterfall. It's destruction. It is death. That's right where the enemy has you. Because in spite of all of this, we still lay into counterfeits. Counterfeits flooded the markets 2,000 years ago, and they do it today. And the danger of spiritual counterfeits is they give us this false sense of security of, yes, I'm walking with God, but in the end, they lead to nothing but destruction. 
That's the danger of it all. See, when your life is on the line, when you're hanging off that cliff, when you're out there and, and, you know, and Dr. Michael is taking you repelling, right? Uh, Pastor Michael, Dr. M- Michael, you know, we got to get more, more words in here, okay? He loves to climb, and one day I'm going to go climbing with him. But here's the thing. I can do knockoffs in a lot of other brands, and it's okay. But when my life is on the line, when I'm hanging from that rope... My question is not going to be like, you know, oh, you just got this cheap rope washed off to the side of Home Depot for five bucks? Good. That, I'm sure that'll be fine. Now, I get my t-shirts at Goodwill. I get my shorts at Goodwill. I'm all about saving a dollar. But when my life is on the line like that, I want to make sure, did you go to REI? Did you talk to the experts? Did you go in? Did you get that climbing rope that was there? Which he would hopefully say yes. Because when it all lays down, when it all comes down, we don't want to counterfeit it. This is where the enemy tries to have it. So how do we walk in this way? How do we go through? Well, here's John's response. John's response in all this, he's laying it out. There's counterfeits, there's lies out there. And he looks at them, and he's, he doesn't say, well, Christianity is just about, just trust everything, just, it's going to be okay, and don't go through. No, John looks at them, and he says, here's what you got to do. You have to test it. John says, test it. And he lays out this doctrinal test because we've been given a sound mind. We worship the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And John, as well as all the way through, there's this acknowledgement that we need to test the things. See, testing is not a lack of faith. When we lay out the truth of God and we see it, we need, we need to walk with this test. And so John, he lays out this doctrinal test. That's why we need to know the word of the Lord. That's why we need to hide it in our hearts so that we will not offend him. We need to be men and women filled with the power of God so that when things come up, we can look at it and say, either that is God or that is not God. And so he lays out this doctrinal test that I'm going to take you through very, very quickly. And here's what he says. The test is centered on Jesus. We read this earlier. He said, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming to the world and indeed is already here. See, in John's context, there were people already denying that Jesus was a real person. And even though there was all the eyewitness accounts, there was so much evidence, people were still denying it. Because remember, Satan is the father of lies. Did that really happen? Is that really Jesus? Did it really go this way? And he's causing all this doubt. Because again, the goal of the false prophets and the false teachers is to separate them from Jesus. Because if I can separate you from Jesus, I own you. If I can separate you from the body of Christ, I own you. It is to isolate you and destroy you. That's why Hebrews says, never neglect coming together. We need to come together. And I'm telling you, the more that you apply the, the, the truth of God, the more that you will run here because I do. The more that I'm leaning on God, the more that I can't wait to get around all of you. We need each other. And so that's what the enemy does. He tries to separate us because even though we know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Jesus was very clear that without me, You can do nothing. It is a supernatural work. It is a work that needs and requires Jesus. That's why when Paul talks about the test, he's saying test it because there will be evidence. Because it's a free gift of God, but there will be evidence in your life. You know when somebody is excited about something. You don't have to guess. There's evidence about that. 
because it's a living gift. This life from Jesus, it is a living gift that is sustained and it grows only through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's not the static gift that we put on our shelf. He said that my spirit will now fill you and it will transform you and it will empower you to do greater things. This is a living life experience of the Spirit of God in us. And it is only alive as he lives in us, and we live these completely surrendered lives in the light of Christ. That's why a big key of the doctrinal test that John's talking about is the test of sacrifice. And we do this for a lot of things, this test of sacrifice, right? You know a dad is a good dad when you see them making sacrifices for their family. You know a mom, Mother's Day's coming up. Can't wait. But you see the evidence of a good mom when a mom does what? When they make sacrifices. You know somebody's really studying when they, when they say, you know what, yeah, sorry, I can't go out and do that tonight because I, I, I have to study. There's sacrifices for everything that is important. And here's a big truth. If the gospel that you have costs you nothing, you don't have what the Bible is talking about. It's a free gift. But we lay everything down for our Savior who did that for us. See, Jesus, he laid out this cost again. Deny yourself. And he even said that when you try to hold on to your life, you lose your life. You're failing the test. So there's the test of sacrifice, but there's also the test of speech. John says here, when he's talking about the false prophets, what does he say? He says, they speak from the world's viewpoint. You can hear it. You can see it. Because again, we talk about what we're excited about, and whatever we are full of, it's going to come out. All right? If there were people hanging out with me today, and I didn't show up to this church today going, you know what? I need to talk about Jesus. (laughs) I'm full of Jesus. I didn't show up today going, you know what? I better let these people know how much I love the Kraken. I'm going to talk about the Kraken today. Let's see if I can do that today. Let's see if I can talk about the other loves of my life. Let's see if I can talk about Stephanie. Let's see if I can talk about my kids. Let's see if I can you know, do that and really show people. These things naturally come out. It's there. Some of these things come out too much to where people, you know, Stephanie would say, I, I, I think you're posting a little too much. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. Because the things I'm excited about, the things you're excited about, you're going to share. You're going to talk about it. It's going to be there. You can tell. When people are full of the power of God, when there's a decision to make, it's going to be in the speech. They're going to say, let's bring it to Jesus. When they have two options, they're going to say, what would Jesus do in this moment? What would honor Jesus? What, how would Jesus handle the situation? When you're filled with the power of God, you're going to think in that moment, does this honor God? Does this draw people closer? Now, we all make mistakes, but then we come back to God and we say, God, that didn't honor you. Help me, forgive me. Help my life to be one that is honoring you because I want to be filled. So there's the test that he, that he talks about where this is a sacrifice and it comes through your speech. But John even looks to their view. John says here, he's like, look, these people, they belong to the world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. He says, but we belong to God. 
And those who listen to God, we belong to God. And those, those who know God, they listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That, that is how we know if someone has a spirit of truth. See, John is talking about where you're standing. Because where you stand, that's your perspective. If you're standing behind a wall, you can't see anything in front of it. But when you move and when you're standing where you're supposed to, you will see what's going on. See, your words and your speech, they reveal who owns you, whether it's God or whether it's, it's the world. And the psalmist was very clear in Psalm 115 that we become whatever you look at. The things that you look at, the things you listen to, the things that you allow to come into your life, they affect you. If you pour mud into water, the water's muddy. There's no way to deny that. We look from where we're standing. And if I'm not standing in the truth of God, I can be blinded. See, if, if we're standing in the world, this is our perspective. This is what we see. But if I'm standing in the truth of God, now this becomes my perspective. And it gets tuned and tuned and tuned and tuned all the way. That's why... When somebody will say to me, Pastor Wayne, I, I'm having a hard time hearing God, or, boy, I don't, you know, I, I'm having a hard time seeing this or going through. One of the first things to evaluate is where are you standing? Are you reading God's word? Are you being filled with God's word? You know, are you getting together with the body of Christ? That's what Jesus did. Jesus got together with people that were not even for him. Are you planting your feet and are you walking in obedience to God's word? If you're not, you're not going to see it. You're not going to understand it because there's only two places to stand. So if I'm having a hard time seeing, maybe I'm standing in the wrong place. Maybe my priorities are out of line because my position affects my posture. And we, we know this. If you went to a coach and said, Coach, I don't know the place. The coach will look and say, did you read the playbook? Have you been to practices? Are you coming early? Are you practicing away from here? Are you doing all that? And if your answer was no, he was like, how in the world did you think you would know? We test it. The playing field is spiritual. John says, test it. And then he comes into one of my favorite parts, which is how do we overcome? How do we overcome and John is very clear. Do you know how you overcome? You overcome by being with the one who has already won. You overcome by being with the person who has already has the victory. He says in John, 1 John 4, 4, he says, you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is what? It's greater. It's greater than the people that are in the world. See, here's the thing. God has already won. Satan is defeated. There is no contest between God and Satan. God has already won. Satan is defeated. So Satan's fight is not with God. Satan's fight is with us. See, his role is to fool us into joining the losing team by lying us, by tricking us, by putting out all these counterfeits because his only tactic is to trick us and to deceive us and to get us to join the wrong team. Jesus even said that on that day when we all stand before God in judgment, there will be people that say, didn't I do this? Didn't I heal in your name? Didn't I do all this in your name? And Satan's and, and Jesus' words to them will be, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. 
we can be so self-deceived even thinking that we're doing the right things. This is his tactic. See, we need to be careful not to be fooled by nice jerseys. Do nice jerseys win games? No. We need to be careful not to be fooled by money. Those of you who follow sports, can money buy championships? There are so many teams who have choked in the playoffs. And so far, all the right ones have choked. So you can have the right look, you can have the right marketing, you can do everything, but this doesn't change the losing team. And so how do we overcome? How do we do this? Here's what he says. He says, little children. I love how John says that. Little children, you are from God. All of you, you are from God. And have overcome them. For he who is in you, God in you, is greater than the person that's in the world. And in these little verses, there's three things that I'm going to go through very quickly, so hang with me here. The first thing he points to is your identity. He says, little children, you are from God. Just let that soak in. You, all of you, you are from God. This is our identity. Is it any surprise that the biggest attack on our children today is to destroy their identity? Make no mistake. See, if the enemy can rewrite our identity, if he can give us the illusion that we're in charge of our identity, he knows that he can destroy us. That's why we need to be very clear. Our identity, we've been made in the image of God. He breathes life in us. That from the moment of conception, God was there, knitting you together, weaving you together, pouring all these things in your life. The psalmist is very clear. I've witnessed this in all of my children. God writes your identity. He is with you. And he's placed all these gifts and all these abilities, some you know and some you have yet to learn. Isn't it wonderful seeing gifts kind of come to life in your children? And I've even seen people develop, have gifts they didn't know about that came to life in retirement. They're in retirement. They're going, I didn't know I had this. God's fingerprints are all over you. Trust that. It is not hateful to say to somebody, you were made in the image of God. This is your identity. Trust him. I know you're hurting. But trust him. So our identity is in God. But then he... He says our approach is as children. We come to God as children. How do children approach? They're just running. They're running. They run to you. They have full trust. That's why we talked about this several weeks ago, that psychologists even say that that ability to trust with kids is one of the reasons why they have such a high aptitude because when the teacher says it, they believe it. They're right there. Trust God. Approach him as, your chi- as a child. When we walk with God in this, when we trust God as a child, there's boldness. Kids have no filter. 
do they? They will say anything. When I'm walking in trust with God, I'm running to God, I, I trust you, God. And, and he speaks to me, I'm just going to speak it. I'm going to trust him. It's going to be out there. And then, he's, and then he talks about our possession. He says, our possession is God. He says, he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. Don't be scared. Be filled with the power of God. And he says, if we confess our sin and surrender our lives to God, he says that there's a supernatural empowerment that comes from God in that moment. It's not just an intellectual assent to God. It is this empowerment of God. I give you everything. Forgive me of my sin, being out of alignment. Forgive me for rejecting you. Forgive me for fighting you. Fill my life with your power. Change my life. Transform my life. That's how we were made. Our identity is with God. We trust God, and we're filled with God, and we experience his power. You want to experience God? Get on your knees, confess every bit of alignment, and say, God, fill me in this moment. I dedicate everything to you. Everything I have is yours. That's what water baptism is. It's saying, God, I'm willing to be dunked in a tank and let the makeup run, if you're wearing it, to say, I am yours. Wash this away. Do whatever you have to. I will say yes to you. I will trust you. Like the three Hebrew boys that, you know what, king, even if we burn up in that furnace, I am not bowing my knee to you because I trust God. This life is temporary. I'm spending eternity with God. So I will not bow to your idols. I will not give in. That's the perspective that God is calling us to. That is the only thing that's going to change our lives. That's the only thing that's going to change the world around us. As we submit to God and totally surrender, and his presence fills us, his power fills us, even in the moment. There are things that I've walked to that the whole way up, I'm going, God, are you there? I know you told me, God, are you there? God, are you there? God, are you there? And oftentimes, you know, when God provides for me, it's right in this moment here where if there's nothing there, I'm going to fall. I can tell you countless stories in my life, countless stories of people that I've walked with. Because trust is stepping out going, God, this is you, or like the three Hebrew boys, even if I burn, I've heard your voice, and I'm going to trust you. I don't care what anybody says to me. I want to please you. I'm not going to try to please my friends. I'm not going to try to please anybody around me, but God, only things that honor you and trust you. So let it come. Let it happen. Because I don't want to miss and in that moment, his, his power, it fills you. It's walking in the light. See, this, this, this righteous living, this, this evidence, it's not about following a, 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 the system of rules. And, and if I do enough rules, then I earn favor with God. You have the favor of God. You're made in his image. He's given you everything that you need. But when we follow and when we trust him, righteous living is going to be a part of it because I don't want to be distracted. No hockey player is on their phone when they're out playing hockey, being distracted. No basketball player, no football, right? The, the, the kind with the, what we call soccer. They're not on their phone because they're disengaged. So we don't let anything distract us. We get rid of everything because, God, I don't want to miss what you're doing. There is a revival that's about to happen in Seattle. There's a revival that God wants to do in your home. There is a revival in our spirits, but it begins with you. Because it's not about all the stuff and the external stuff. It's about an awakening of our soul and a humbling ourselves. Every great revival begins with confession. Every one. Because it's about me and God. Forgive me, God. Fill me, God. With great humility. That's why with Asbury, they're like, keep the cameras away. This is about what God is doing in the students' lives right now. 
This is not a marketing campaign. This is not a come here and get it. This is a, our students are being revived so that they can walk with God. That's why David said, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Did David make mistakes? Oh boy. Did I make mistakes? Yeah. Here's what he said, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with what? Integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I know nothing of evil. Do you want to be an overcomer? Walk in the light. Surrender your life to God. Father, I pray that this word would impact us today. This word, this invitation from you, Lord, to silence the voice of the enemy, to recognize the enemy is out to destroy us, to kill us, to trick us, and it seems like it's, the, it's an easy float trip down a river when he's actually trying to destroy us. Open our eyes. In Jesus' name, let every blind eye be opened today, I pray, according to your power, to your spirit, that we would see the lie But God, open our eyes to your truth. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. You've already made us overcomers, but we need to surrender to you and walk in your light. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning and just continue to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Because wherever we are, there's a refining work. There's a work that God wants to do in our life. No matter where we are, There's this continual sharpening, continual strengthening. He's like, I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready. Because we don't know the path in front of us, but God does. And everything that he brings into our life is to get us ready. So as we respond today, and I encourage you to respond, ask yourself, where am I struggling today? Those points of tensions, They tell us where we're struggling. They tell us where we need to give due attention. Don't hold it by yourself. The wisest people are surrounded by counsel, of friends and wisdom speak into them. We have people come up every week to pray. There's no long line. Maybe your trust is going, you know what, I need to go talk to these people. I need to pray. I need to say, would you pray for me for this? Or even come up and say, you know what? I don't even know how to say it. Would you just pray for me? Would you invite the Holy Spirit to give you discernment? I've had people do that. They've come up and say, just pray for me however God's speaking to you. Come forward. Pray. There's power in prayer. That's what Jesus said to the disciples. You're struggling because you didn't pray. Pray. Come forward. Ask yourself, where am I standing today? Am I looking at things from God's perspective? Are there any counterfeits in my life, things I'm trying to get off cheap? To help us to walk in, in confidence with you today, I pray in your name. Now let's respond. Let's allow the light of Christ to light us up, amen? Let's respond today. 
Say this together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.